Hello everyone, this is MJ Dorian. I'm currently hard at work on the fourth and final episode of the Carl Jung and Alchemy series. It's taking a little bit of extra time because it deserves a little bit of extra care. And I thank you for your patience. In the meantime though, I wanted to share with you a preview of my new Red Book reading series, which is only available on my Patreon at patreon.com forward slash M-J-D-O-R-I-A-N. Five months ago, when I started the Jung and Alchemy series, I opened up my tattered copy of the Red Book to try and find any indications that Jung may have prefigured his relationship with alchemy during his early visions. And I stumbled on a passage in a chapter Jung titled The Gift of Magic. I share this passage at the end of episode 40. This text confirmed for me that Jung had tapped into something in his deep personal explorations of the unconscious, something inarguably alchemical. And he did so seven years before reading his first alchemical treatise. Add to that, this is a passage I haven't heard anyone else analyze or discuss in this light. And so I was left with the question, what else have we missed? This question inspired the current series, Red Book Reading, which I'm doing as a thank you for my Patreon supporters. Once a month, I read a chapter of Jung's Red Book, complete with original music and sound design, where appropriate. And in the text of the post, I include an analysis of what Jung is speaking about in that chapter and what insights we can glean from it. In the end, once the entire book is recorded, it will total roughly 15 hours. Now, this is a series for everyone. Whether you've read the Red Book before, like I had, but perhaps feel like you may discover some new insights, or if you're sitting on a copy of it but haven't cracked it open yet, now we can read it together. Today, I'd like to share with you a preview of one of these readings. This is from Chapter 2 of the Red Book, and it contains one of my favorite passages in Jung, one which deeply resonated with me when I first read it years ago, and which continues to feel significant today. The passage in question is this one. He whose desire turns away from outer things reaches the place of the soul. If he does not find the soul, the horror of emptiness will overcome him, and fear will drive him with a whip, lashing time and again in a desperate endeavor and a blind desire for the hollow things of the world. He becomes a fool through his endless desire and forgets the way of his soul, never to find her again. He will run after all things and seize hold of them, but he will not find his soul since he would find her only in himself." Unquote. There's another quote I wanted to share with you which perfectly pairs with this one, but which does not come from the Red Book. Instead, it is found in the book Modern Psychology, and is a transcription of one of Jung's lectures given in the 1930s. He states, A point exists at about the 35th year when things begin to change. It is the first moment of the shadow side of life, of the going down to death. It is clear that Dante found this point, and those who have read Zarathustra will know that Nietzsche also discovered it. When this turning point comes, people meet it in several ways. Some turn away from it, others plunge into it, and something important happens to yet others from the outside. If we do not see a thing, fate does it to us." Unquote. Without further ado, 
Here is a sample from my Red Book reading series. Chapter 2 Refinding the Soul When I had the vision of the flood in October of the year 1913, it happened at a time that was significant for me as a man. At that time, in the 40th year of my life, I had achieved everything that I had wished for myself. I had achieved honor, power, wealth, knowledge, and every human happiness. Then my desire for the increase of these trappings ceased. The desire ebbed from me, and horror came over me. The vision of the flood seized me, and I felt the spirit of the depths, but I did not understand him. Yet he drove me on with unbearable inner longing, and I said, My soul, where are you? Do you hear me? I speak, I call you. Are you there? I have returned. I am here again. I have shaken the dust of all the lands from my feet, and I have come to you. I am with you. After long years of long wandering, I have come to you again. Should I tell you everything I have seen, experienced, and drunk in? Or do you not want to hear about all the noise of life and the world? But one thing you must know, the one thing I have learned is that one must live this life. This life is the way, the long sought after way to the unfathomable, which we call divine. There is no other way. All other ways are false paths. I found the right way. It led me to you, to my soul. I return tempered and purified. Do you still know me? How long the separation lasted? Everything has become so different. And how did I find you? How strange my journey was. What words should I use to tell you on what twisted paths a good star has guided me to you? Give me your hand, my almost forgotten soul. How warm the joy at seeing you again. You long disavowed soul, life has led me back to you. Let us thank the life I have lived for all the happy and all the sad hours, for every joy, for every sadness. My soul, my journey should continue with you. I will wander with you and ascend to my solitude. The spirit of the depths forced me to say this, and at the same time, to undergo it against myself, since I had not expected it then. I still labored misguidedly under the spirit of this time, and thought differently about the human soul. I thought and spoke much of the soul. I knew many learned words for her. I had judged her, and turned her into a scientific object. I did not consider that my soul cannot be the object of my judgment and knowledge. Much more are my judgment and knowledge the objects of my soul. Therefore, the spirit of the depths forced me to speak to my soul, to call upon her as a living and self-existing being. I had to become aware that I had lost my soul. From this we learn how the spirit of the depths considers the soul. He sees her as a living and self-existing being, and with this he contradicts the spirit of this time, for whom the soul is a thing dependent on man, which lets herself be judged and arranged, and whose circumference we can grasp. I had to accept that what I had previously called my soul was not at all my soul, but a dead system. Hence, I had to speak to my soul as to something far off and unknown, which did not exist through me, but through whom I existed.
he whose desire turns away from outer things reaches the place of the soul. If he does not find the soul, the horror of emptiness will overcome him, and fear will drive him with a whip, lashing time and again in a desperate endeavor and a blind desire for the hollow things of the world. He becomes a fool through his endless desire and forgets the way of his soul, never to find her again. He will run after all things and will seize hold of them, but he will not find his soul, since he would only find her in himself. Truly, his soul lies in things and men, but the blind one seizes things and men, yet not his soul in things and men. He has no knowledge of his soul. How could he tell her apart from things and men? He could find his soul in desire itself, but not in the objects of desire. If he possessed his desire, and his desire did not possess him, he would lay a hand on his soul, since his desire is the image and expression of his soul. If we possess the image of a thing, we possess half the thing. The image of the world is half the world. He who possesses the world, but not its image, possesses only half the world, since his soul is poor and has nothing. The wealth of the soul exists in images. He who possesses the image of the world possesses half the world, even if his humanity is poor and owns nothing. But hunger makes the soul into a beast that devours the unbearable and is poisoned by it. My friends, it is wise to nourish the soul. Otherwise, you will breed dragons and devils in your heart. That was a sample of my Red Book reading series. If you'd like to read along with me, head over to my Patreon at patreon.com forward slash mjdorian. I'm doing one new chapter per month. The link is also in this episode's description. This is a series for everyone, whether you've read the Red Book before, like I had, but feel like you might discover some new insights. Or if you're sitting on a copy of it, but haven't cracked it open yet, we can read it together. The next episode of Creative Codex will be part four of Jung and Alchemy, the final episode of the series. I'll see you then. MJ Dorian, signing out.